What's going on, everybody? Today is Tuesday, November 12th, and we have two more champions. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Field hockey and women's soccer finished up this weekend, and we were happy to bring it to you. Yeah, uh, I was out at Bowling Green, yep. as you know. Uh, tremendous environment on Championship Sunday. Uh, the stands were packed. I heard. And uh, played to a, a scoreless tie and went to PKs. I know that's your favorite. Drama. Yeah. The, yeah. Let the drama unfold. It was, it was, uh, I like when it gets to PKs. Yeah, I was going to say, that's back-to-back <laughs> years, right, that it's gone to yeah. PKs, so that's back, pretty awesome. Back-to-back years and back-to-back championships for the Falcons. This was their third straight championship uh, final, uh, their their second straight championship. Congrats to Coach Matt Fannin and the crew uh, for getting it, but Eastern played yeah. their tails off for sure. But uh, a, a heck of a fight throughout the tournament. Man. They, they did. They knocked awesome. off Ball State in the quarterfinals. Uh, then they knocked off Ohio in the semifinals. And uh, just, they just fell short on PKs, 3-1. Yeah. And uh, Kathleen Duvey from Bowling Green made some clutch saves. And uh, Nikita Jacob ended up kicking uh, the, the game winner in the, in the fifth round of, of yep. PKs to, to, to win it for the Falcons. So we'll find out. We're recording this show for Tuesday. We will find find out in a couple hours here as we're recording where Bowling Green uh, lands in the NCAA tournament. Um, hopefully, they get a good draw and can yep. carry this on in, in the in the in the championship. Yeah, it should be awesome. And then uh, we had field hockey also this weekend. What a what a great tournament! Another great turnout in Miami. Yeah, um, Miami won their third straight uh, MAC championship. Dynasty. Actually, yep, it was a. Um, very intense game. Uh, it was Kent State went up early, one nothing, and and controlled a lot of the game until about the fourth quarter, and then um, Miami scored two goals in the fourth quarter to uh, ultimately seal that victory. So it was awesome. Congrats to uh, Coach Inyako and their team over there. They've done a great job. At, and uh, yeah, it was another good one. Yeah, you mentioned the crowds again. Going back to BG, it was it was really cool uh, at halftime of the championship game. This just mob of people came in, and it was the BG football team. Uh, I know a lot, you know, they they stand out because there's so many. But I know a lot of the athletic uh, programs there at Bowling Green all came out to support. And Eastern Michigan also traveled not a not a far drive from Ypsilanti. No, the, the stands again were packed. It was uh, it was really exciting. It was really exciting. Uh, the PKs, you know, you get that you get that heart flutter yep. going, and yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. You think. Do you think you could put a goal in? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's closer than you think, man. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll Any, see. They, I mean, these are D one D one athletes. I'm not a D one athlete. Do you think you could stop a goal? No, absolutely <laughs> I was say not. That, There's no chance. That Those, is uh, a lot these different. kids are incredible. Yeah, you just got to get lucky. Yeah. But I could get lucky and guess, but there's no way I'm getting to that ball. No. I don't have that range. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the range. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, you play some rec soccer. Yeah, yeah. I play. So indoor. you. You could maybe get one in if, if they just guess wrong. I, I would maybe. It's different in indoor. There's not, like, it's even closer. Out of five. How many am I scoring? Uh, yeah, on a co- just a college goalie. We're not saying men or women. Uh, I'm just a college goalie. Uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say I definitely miss one. Like, just totally like, miss. Like, totally miss one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say I totally missed the ball on one. Oh, <laughs> I think I would kick and miss the ball on at least one no, out of five. It's sitting still. <laughs> Pressure. Yeah, Pressure. I guess. I guess. And uh, put that. Put the crowd into that. I, I'm gonna think? say. I'm gonna say. I at least score one or two. 
Okay. Uh, what do you think? I'd be lucky to get one. Yeah. Maybe I'm shortchanging myself, but it's I the mean, crowd behind you. Yeah. And if you had the stakes, it, maybe we need to set that up. Maybe we do. I've, I've been talking about that for years, honestly, going to these <laughs> championships and trying to participate in like some of the things these athletes do, like uh, have a go against like one of the players on the, on the hosting team and in a quick match or something like that. I've, I've always yeah. talked about that, but yeah, I, I would love to see how we would both do in a little soccer challenge. Yeah. Um, and I want to do basketball. Basketball would be fun. Well, one-on-one or you, no, playing, we're you playing, playing horse just playing or horse. something like that where, I mean, we would still get destroyed, but yeah, I don't know if there's any sport, uh, you know, at my age range these days that I could maybe golf off a feet. <laughs> Have you seen these guys play golf? Well, yeah, maybe in a putt and some. I mean, if we're, we're playing with ha- if we're playing with handicaps, maybe I can get <laughs> maybe I can get if, if I get enough strokes, maybe I can make it a little interesting. Yeah, that's what handicaps are for. Uh, maybe I could get out there. I, you've seen me. Maybe yeah. I could get out there and birdie a hole, and then yeah. with my handicap, I win the hole or right. something. You never. Know. I guess that would be my shot. Yeah. Well, you're home this weekend. You're not traveling anywhere, but uh, uh, I'm I'm heading to. Uh, Men's soccer this weekend yeah. at, at Akron uh, should be another good time. Uh, Akron has uh, come alive here in, in the conference season and, and captured the uh, the regular season title. So twentieth, yes, Did their twentieth twentieth yeah. overall regular season title. And also, congrats to head coach Jared Embeck on earning his one hundredth win oh, at yeah. Akron um, for that final regular season game. And that's uh, that's awesome for him. Um, so the the tournament set will have two games uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. On Tuesday, and um, that'll determine the four teams that are going to Akron. So should be exciting. Akron, what they've done over the years, I know they they didn't win the regular season last year, but clearly uh, with a with a national title, with their twentieth conference championship, uh, the tournament usually runs through Akron. Yep, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I you know, you never know. Actually, my fr- this is the first time that I've been here that the tournament's actually been run through Akron. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. The, the throughout the oh yeah, Western last three years, Western yep, Western and uh, West Virginia both had it the past two years. So well, yeah, it should be fun. fun. I hope the weather. See, on on Friday night in BG, it got cold. Yes. It now, did. as we've stated on this podcast, I've I've was a BG student. Uh, I know how that wind is. There's nothing blocking it out there in BG. We got lucky on Friday. There wasn't any wind, uh, but it was very cold. It got cold. Uh, now Saturday. We went out for practice. The wind was whipping. It was cold. I wanted to just stay inside, <laughs> hibernate. And then we got a great day on Sunday, uh, for sure, weather-wise. And so I hope this weekend it, it holds off for you. Yeah, and we'll see. We're trying to get some snow in the in the northeast Ohio area early in the week. Yeah, we'll see how much I'm up in that press box. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Well, yeah. I, it's I, unpredictable. By our next show, we'll know those four teams uh, yep. playing the semifinals. Yes, we will. We'll yes, keep we everyone will. updated on that. But, um Again, should be. I know that the AK Rowdies will be out mm-hmm. cheering on their team. Oh, that's always such a great atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. great field, uh, and and yeah, you sh- we'll we'll have our f- well our fifth champion of yes. of the year. Yes. Uh, our is no, not our final, not our final uh, no. fall. We then we'll be back volleyball. in Bowling Green. Yep. We'll be back in Bowling Green for volleyball. Yep, and then we'll close out the fall season with the football championship game, which we still. We don't know who's going to be in that nope. game. It's, <laughs> a, any, it's anyone's game. but Midweek uh, action will solve that. Uh, Miami, like we mentioned, is in the driver's seat on the east side. 
uh, anyone's guess on the West at yep. this point. Yep, we got uh, we got two games tonight. Uh, we have Western Michigan at Ohio, so that'll be a big game for sure. And then uh, at six o'clock, we have uh, Eastern Michigan Akron on um, on ESPN News. Yeah, so back in the office, uh, as I said this week, no traveling for me. Uh, finally got to kind of download from Athens last week. Yep, uh, yep. And and what a great s- couple days we had up there. Uh, just thinking about it on my trip to BG after I just got home from Athens. Uh, all the all the big names that we had in town. The game itself, everything kind of that the celebration of college football. Um, I don't know. I haven't been able to stop thinking about. It. I think I think it was really cool and something that um, you know we we helped pull off with the help of everyone at Ohio University and it, everything turned out great. Yeah, I was gonna say it. It was a lot of work, you know, behind the scenes getting everything ready for that game and for all the people coming in that you know, don't necessarily necessarily get to experience an atmosphere like that all the time around Matt games. Uh, I thought it was really awesome. And I think we pulled it off really yeah. well. So, and, and with part of that was we still have three interviews that you guys haven't heard yep. uh, that we, that we sat down with uh, three individuals in Athens, one being Ivan Mazel from ESPN, who has 33 plus years of covering college football and a brand new podcast, brand new podcast down in distance, celebrating college football, Football 150's greatest stories. We sat with College Football Hall of Fame head coach and Mac Hall of Fame head coach Herb Duramity, who is still tied with Coach Solich yep. uh, for the uh, most Mac career wins. Um, he coached his whole career at Central Michigan. Was a tremendous interview. That guy still has football pumping through his veins. Yes. And uh, we talked to Kevin Weiberg, who is the executive director of College Football 150, um, kind of has been on this whole celebration since day one. So to hear his thoughts on everything and the uniform patches and what's gone in with ESPN was was really interesting. Yeah, the implementation of it, I think, is, like I said, not a lot of people know what goes on behind the scenes of making a thing like this work. And it's a lot more than just putting on, you know, patches for a game and, and things like that. So the had to have the whole celebration come together, I thought was pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so typically we won't air three interviews, but we thought that we'd package all these for you. If you're a football fan, you will enjoy all three of these sit-down interviews, and here they are. We'd now like to welcome in Mac Hall of Fame football coach Herb Duramity from Central Michigan from uh, 1978 to 1993. Herb, thanks for taking the time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Not just Mac I'll Hall of Fame. Let me, yep. let me apologize for my voice. Uh, <laughs> I, I lost it last weekend. We brought back uh, our 1979 undefeated team uh, to Mount Pleasant, put them in the Hall of Fame, and, and uh, probably celebrated with too much. That's all right. You're supposed to. And tis the season. The weather doesn't help any of us. I think we're all struggling at this point. Yeah. But, and you said Mac Hall of Fame coach. Not only Mac yeah. Hall of Fame coach, but college football Hall of Fame uh, head coach. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. We're here. Today is the day, the 150th anniversary of college football. How the game's changed, where we are today, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I guess my first question to you is just what maybe from a coaching side and then 
from watching these days, a couple moments that just stand out as, as great moments? Well, well I, take, I take a lot of pride in, in being a little bit of a historian of the game. So I've followed it a long time. And obviously, the game has changed dramatically, at least for the fans, as we have an opportunity to view it. But, but let me just take you back a little bit in history and see if you don't follow this a little bit. You know, today we make a, a big deal that uh, that uh, everything seems to operate from the gun. And uh, and we talk about how innovative that was. Well, before the gun, you have to realize that the quarterback took the ball under center. Mm-hmm. But before they ever took the ball under center, they operated from the gun. <laughs> so it's trends coming <laughs> back, I guess. That's right. Here, yeah. here, here's another one that they... That, uh, they they often talk about the spread offense. Uh, okay, before before the spread offense, if you take it, they they, they went back and, and they were basically a tight formation. And and then all of a sudden now, before they're tight, they're spread out. <laughs> or let's go another way. Talk about the no huddle. Today, wow, no huddle. <laughs> before there was no huddle, there, there was a huddle. Yeah. But before they ever had a huddle, <laughs> There is no hub. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they think they're reinventing the wheel over That's here. That's exactly <laughs> right. But I will say this. It's a much more exciting game than it was played when you looked at it in years past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you spent all your time in the MAC, and we're, we're here for uh, midweek football. Can you can you talk about how special that is to you and, and what that means to you? Well, it, yeah, it is very special. There's a couple reasons. One, the opportunity I got to be a part of Central Michigan University. And, and that I, I give an awful lot of credit to a man named Roy Kramer. And those who have followed Roy's Kramer career know that uh, not only was he uh, an outstanding administrator and the person that is, has been given credit for developing the BCS or the college uh, playoff that we have today, but uh, he was commissioner of the SEC conference. Before that, Vanderbilt University's uh, athletic director, and before that, Central Michigan's football coach, but as a high school coach in the state of Michigan at three separate schools, he had uh, he had won the mythical state championship. So, at at one point in time, when he became the head coach at Central Michigan, he offered me a high school coaching opportunity to do that, and so I've had a chance to be a part of that program at that point. Just a small college, playing combination of NCAA Division II or NAIA, whatever you wanted to call it, and then had the opportunity to move from that to get in the Mid American Conference. Wow, that's incredible! And and these days, you don't see coaches stay at one school, you know, forever. Yeah. And it, it's very rare. And you were able to do that. Uh, looking back and seeing how all these coaches did today's game and how they're jumping around and making moves and you don't really see that to to spend your time at one school and I know Central Michigan is very you know near and dear clearly to your heart that you were able to do that what's that mean it, it meant a lot that you know a lot of people today and I understand it and I don't uh, begrudge anyone that, uh, that has taken opportunities that obviously were they felt either better for them or their family or for whatever reason they chosen um given the opportunity uh, when roy kramer left to go to vanderbilt university uh, that was done in uh, the last week in july 
two weeks before we actually were going to start our practice. And at that point in time, I was brought into the uh, office of our athletic director and said, you're going to be our head coach, um, although you're going to be an interim head coach. <laughs> and and, uh, um, and we'll see what takes place after that. Well, fortunately enough, we were able to have a decent season, and I was awarded the, the head coaching position. But I, during the course of the season, I would get coaches that I knew around the country calling the offices, and, and they would want to talk. And I said, is that job still open? And uh, I'd have to tell him it, it is. <laughs> and, uh, didn't want to say that, but yeah. it was. It, why did I stay? A uh, couple of things. One, I, I felt we were always moving forward in the Mid-American Conference. I, I felt that we were in it. We enjoyed being in it. But, but we were a school that wasn't just sitting pat. It was a school that, that wanted to continue to improve. We increased it competition we played uh, playing more, more power five schools in our non-league schedule all the things that that i wanted to do as a coach and i was able to accomplish at central michigan the other part was it was a great place to raise my family um and that played a big role in it the the community mount pleasant it's a pretty special place and uh you you, you sense that when you're a division two school and in 1974, we went to the national championship and the way the, the town, the state rallied around us. Uh, all those things made had, had more value than maybe dollars. Um, and so I've never regretted it. Um, and, uh, and I've always enjoyed feeling that even after I left as a coach uh, as, and as an administrator, again, we could continue to move forward. Yeah, you mentioned you were an administrator, not just a coach. Can you maybe mention some of the things you're most proud of as an athletic director at Central Michigan? Well, when I when I took over, the the one thing uh, that I really took uh, uh, felt that we needed at that point in time, we we're, were going to be involved with stadium expansion. The NCAA talking the requirement of having a thirty thousand seat stadium uh, made that uh, almost evident that was something you're going to have to address. So that was one. We added to our stadium, added to our press box, put in suites and all the things. That, so I was a part of that planning, enjoyed that. But the uh, the one that I enjoyed most is we, we call it our indoor athletic complex. Mm -hmm. And we built in one building, in one building, uh, the type of uh, facility that we needed. One um, had a weight room, which our men and women's programs used. And at the same, I mean, not the same time, but during the, yeah. course of the, uh, the course of the day and the, and the week. It, it also had an indoor track facility. It had a separate uh, indoor turfed facility. So we then had what we called the situation where we could practice it during inclement weather. We never had that before. They never have that in Mount Pleasant. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> and and, and then we have a little bit of inclement even today. But... Yeah. but then, but most important, then we added a, a, within that same facility our academic center, uh, in which our athletes, male and females, come in. You know, instead of putting study hall over here, study hall, we had all that available with with all the computers that they needed, the tutors that they needed, and we put. That's how we sold it. We sold the idea that this is a three in one. We we for strength and conditioning to develop the athlete for inclement weather so all people could perform and then for academic performance. 
And all those things paid off yeah. handsomely mm. for all teams. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, just to, to build something like that and for that may, to it affect so many people that were able to use well, it. It leaves a legacy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Stepping away from Central Michigan, getting back into the MAC, uh, this clearly today is not just a. It, it's it's not just one fiftieth, but you know we're celebrating MAC football today as well. Um, what makes this in your? What makes this such a special conference? Balance. I think I think that's the what I always admired. You know that yes, they're top teams, and, and oftentimes the top teams are very elite, but that top team. Playing the team that's at the bottom half of that uh, of, the, of the standings, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're in, in for the game of their life. Yep, uh, I've seen it time and time again, upsets within the conference. Uh, which, I mean, who was upset? The team that was on the bottom, they thought they could beat them anyway. So that mm-hmm. uh, that's never right. upset by a player or a coaching staff. But at least when when people look at it from top to bottom, that's that's what I always admire. The other thing I always admire and I've really admired even more, Frank, in, in recent years, the quality of athletes mm-hmm. that are playing in the Mid-American Conference and, and going on to succeed at the National Football League level. Now all of a sudden when you start adding up all the players that represent the conference in that next level, you often say, wait, yeah, they, they have something going for them. Yeah, I we mean, talk about that all the time. I mean, just the amount, the, just the... the amount of people that have made that jump to the national level is so awesome and so great for our conference and yeah and they're not just making the national level yeah. these days we're some of the top players in the in the league that's exactly you know? and that's, <laughs> yeah uh i wanted to talk i had the pleasure last year of being part of the mock selection you were in the the first grouping to put together a college football playoff uh, i went through that process it was it was fantastic i i love that process what what are misconceptions that people have, do you think, about the college football playoff selection process? Well, I, if, if there's a misconception, they think it's 13 people that simply get in a room <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just say, oh, okay, let's, yep. it's going to be one, two, three, and four. Um, th- there's uh, so many things. First of all, uh, Bill Hancock, who is the director of the program, uh, the process that they put together, and you had the opportunity yeah. to experience it, you realize automatically, wow, it, it, this is not something that's no. haphazard. It thoroughly thought through. Yeah. Um, the statistical data that you have available to you, the visual data. Uh, it, as a member of the committee, I would have on a Sunday morning, I would have on my iPad every Division One football game played that previous day, and I would have the coaches cut versus wow. defense, defense versus mm-hmm. offense, kicking game. Mm-hmm. So at some point in time, I would often look at, okay, what does so-and-so's offensive line look like compared to so-and-so? What, 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 what does this quarterback look like? And I could just put that up on, on the tape. Um, I would spend at least two hours a day prior to the meeting that we would have on the weekend just preparing what I wanted to start at and, and, and slowly put my group together but then certainly open it up to everybody to, to, to obviously make their statements what they felt as we went into the voting process yeah but but it, uh, what I admired there are several things one and this is the best one of all there's never been a leak 
Yeah. Yeah. If Washington D.C. could have what uh, <laughs> what Bill Hancock has put together with that's us. very yeah. true. Well, yeah. you get in that one room at the Gaylord Hotel. That's it, it, but there's never been a leak. In fact, one of the best stories is that at one point we had the athletic director from um, Clemson as a part of our group, and at that point in time, and this was the year before I got on the program. But anyways, Clemson had another had a good team, and uh, president from the university. See, they come back after the first voting. He says, uh, are we one? And he, and he said, I can't tell you. He said, what do you mean you can't tell me? He said, well, I'm going to be on the show at 7 o'clock that night. He said, I'm your president. And <laughs> his statement, real briefly and quickly, he said, I know, but I, I can't tell you. I, I just can't do it. He said, then this next comment from the president was this. Is you do realize that your contract is coming up next year. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, that, yeah. that's exactly what happened. They, all the years they've had, they, they, when you see it on TV, that's exactly when those individuals that are doing that thing, yeah. you see it. they hand it to them, and now they're ad-libbed. They're having to yeah. go from there. Well, how did, you, how did you feel about the experience? Was it overwhelming to you? or It, it was incredible. I think when in this room, it's the room that they've always used. They have the hat rack, right? Everyone has the, this hat, and, and you... You're, you're representing. Uh, you're not yourself in that room. You yeah. Know, you're you're you got to have a laser focus on all the teams. You you have to leave the room. There was times I was. Uh, <coughs> they give you a person that's on the committee, and so when you when you're getting talked about your team, or if you have a relative that's coaching another team, oh, you, you have, have to leave to the room. Yep. You, gotta, you have to leave the room. And I was um, I was Frank Beamer. Oh, I was Frank okay. Beamer, and so <coughs> Frank Beamer's son coach at Oklahoma. Yes, so anytime they talked about Virginia Tech, I had to leave the room. Anytime they talked about Oklahoma, I had to leave the room. I was gone from the room for like... So do you have to do that year. research individually or the, do they give that to you when you do the mock? They they made it. They gave me from a specific year. We went through that gotcha. year. And then based on that year, you had to go through the whole process. They they let us stay in the room. But right. there's sometimes people out of that room for hours. Well, yeah. But the thing is, pointing out is you have... So many ways to compare yeah. teams yeah. Mm -hmm. from a statistical uh, analysis. For example, uh, relative scoring. Yeah. You know, everybody says, well, they scored 50 points. Well, they scored 50 points against a team that was given up 40 points. So yeah. the relative scoring is only a plus 10, as opposed to someone wins a game 42 to 7 on a team that has only given up less than 10 points a game. Yeah. Now, I mean, that way you could find out where teams rank not only within their conference but nationally and then even side by side um and at, 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 at i mean when we talk about it, is that i'm snapping my finger when i do mm -hmm. that it just like that you would yeah. find out how yeah. that comparison was yeah and they had all the technology in front of you mm -hmm. uh, the other part that's really interesting i don't know if they, if they did that with you but you we would get in there and on monday we would vote and, and we would vote. We'd, we'd finish about 9 o'clock at night. We'd start the meeting at noon, 9 o'clock at night, 25 teams at that time. We'd wake up in the morning at 8 o'clock and start all over again. Hmm. And, and wow. why, do you, why do you do this? It, because you want to see overnight just thinking about it. Did, yeah. I, did I rate that team too high? Did I, whatever, whatever the case might be, did we move this team down too far just because they had, had a poor game? Um it always reminded me of the person that uh, has a job and, and they're upset with the job 
and they write their resignation letter. <laughs> they put it in a mailbox, and then all of a sudden, they're reaching their hand down the mailbox yep. and trying yeah. to pull it back yeah. out. <laughs> but uh, but that's yeah. exactly. I mean, it, it is. They they want to get it right. Yeah, and and they have a process that it'll always be criticized, but the the intent is to get it right, and they've got extremely talented people making that type of decision. Yeah. Athletic directors, coaches, like you pointed out, Frank Beamer. Yeah. Um, that is the plus in itself. Yeah, I, I think you started the, the question when I first asked it. You said it right right away. It's not just these people getting in a room. Hey, here's our four. It's done. There is so much. They crammed. You say it's a it's a day. It's a night. It's another day. You're there weekly, right? Didn't you have to go weekly? Six weeks. And, and they yeah. crammed it all in for us in four hours, mm-hmm. which you're able to see all the bells and whistles, the screens, everything that you can look at incredible process and uh i mean hopefully you get to go yeah i mean i think (laughs) as just an outside person looking in you have to have just the ultimate respect for the process itself because like you said it's not an easy process to get through all that stuff and even with all the statistical stuff you have it's not it's not an easy job whatsoever so i think when i do get to go (laughs) if i do get to go um we'll get you there yeah i'll have i'll have just a little more respect for what's going on. Yeah, down there. yeah. I tell you, the other part is you've got to give Bill Hancock credit mm-hmm. because what did he do? He he brought in the media. Mm-hmm. He brought in the people so they had the opportunity to experience what what, what was entailed. He also brought back that uh, in many cases the writers for for uh, college newspapers. Yep. That they again experience in it along with athletic directors. Yep. So he's expanded the number of people been able to learn yep. what what uh, what it entails. Yeah, I think right now there's conference personnel, there's ADs, um, there's student media, and then national media that, that go through that process. And there's probably more groups than that. But one last question we have is uh, we hit on it at the start. Uh, you were inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2007. Just what that means to you that you're that you're there in that building. And, and all your accomplishments, you know. Yeah, that that it was. I have to tell you, <laughs> first of all, um, you know that, that that that's very important because that means you were selected by by people who have been a part of that, part, are, are in it, mm-hmm. and so it is very selective. Um, but I like to tell the story of uh, how you find out. Um, I I announced my retirement um, from uh, at that point being an athletic director. And so my wife and I were going to take a trip to Washington, D.C. Um, and just to spend that time. Well, we knew we were going to have to do a lot of walking, so I know my wife ordered a new pair of you know, tennis shoes or whatever you need for walking. And, and just the day before we're ready to leave, uh, a truck pulls up to the house and has a package. We hit it right. You got your shoes. <laughs> I open up the box, and the box has a football. Hall of Fame. I mean, I dropped the box and the ball. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I was st- shocked. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, it was very emotional. Yeah, um, yeah it, 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 it meant a great deal. And there are people that uh, I was, I've been a part of. I mean, when you think about it at that time, I think there were 110 coaches. I mean, they, they only select two coaches um, oh, okay. uh, a year. Um, so it was a, it was a great 
Yeah. I never knew that football story. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, they don't. They, that's something they don't tell you. Really? That, I mean, you, you don't get a phone call. They keep it say, as a surprise, I guess. Surprise yeah. it. Uh, and yeah. Everyone that talked about it, they all talk about how they found out. Well, yeah, they probably want you to have that type of story for when you found out. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's an incredible story. That's great. Well, Coach, we want to thank you once again for coming on with us today. That's great. Uh, you know, they, that gets me ready for tonight's game for sure. And uh, it's great talking football with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Go Mac, huh? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now joined with Ivan Mazel. He's the ESPN.com editor at large and been a main uh, part of the whole ESPN college football 150th anniversary content creation and podcast and extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this point, we might as well call it an extravaganza. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on on today's actual birthday, 150th birthday. Happy birthday. Football. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's amazing, Jeremy. Uh, just the, the idea that this day is here because we've sort of pointed toward it for so long as we've been developing all the television programming and the podcast and the stories online and uh, what the word we've used in Bristol is multi-platform. You know, that, that's the, the buzzword. But yep. the bottom line with what we wanted to do was, in our minds, there's no sport that any network is more closely identified with than ESPN is with college football. I mean, obviously, besides MLB and mm-hmm. you know tennis network, you know, of course. Yeah. But but you know, of the major networks, we we have our tentacles sunk really deep into the sport. And we, those of us within the company that promoted this and and convinced the bosses to to go with it, you know, is it, this company's passionate about college football. And we yeah. wanted to celebrate uh, and celebrate's been a a. a, a an interesting word because we didn't we haven't sugarcoated anything we've just tried to tell the story of the sport mm-hmm. good and bad for 150 years and that's been the mission anyway yeah the goal. you've done a great job of that down and distance podcast yes thanks we we uh we listened to yep, a, the michael the vick story on the way down oh good uh i think that's one that we both kind of related to uh what was your favorite story of that down and distance of, of your series <laughs> that you worked on well, I'm laughing because uh, you know my initial rule when when I started this was if I covered it, it didn't qualify as history because that meant it had just happened. And somebody <laughs> said, "Well, you've been doing this a long time." You know, so, uh, so I sort of reluctantly came to the idea of doing something mm-hmm. like Michael Vick. But uh, my favorite story was probably uh, if I could pick two was Newt Rockney's funeral. Uh, which I wanted to do because I, I felt like it was a really important point in a lot of different parts of American society. It was the first uh, funeral that was broadcast across the country, which is something we take for granted now. You know, we mm-hmm. we sort of we mourn as a national community when a prominent figure dies, and we all you know CNN or whomever televises the the funeral. Well. The first time that ever happened at any level, as far as I could tell, was was a football coach, was Newt Rockney in 1931. So then you explore why was he that important. Uh, and the brand-new thing called radio and, and how it had sort of begun to get its hold on society. So there were just so many different parts of that story. So th- that was one. And the other one was 
the two teams that were marooned in Honolulu on December 7th, 1941. Yeah. I just thought that story, uh, I, I, I was really surprised that story was not better known. And, yeah. uh, and just to, to tell the story of how they got there and how they got home because nobody was really sure how they were going to get home. Do you have a, a story that you wish you could have told that you didn't? Oh, yes, but hopefully we'll have another year yeah. of, of <laughs> Down and Distance. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there no were, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there, were, there were a lot uh, that, that I wanted to tell. Uh, and I, you know, I'm fascinated by how we take wins for granted and losses stay with us forever. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, I want to, try to tell a story of a of how a one loss has haunted somebody for years and years and years and i'm, I'm not sure which loss i'm gonna do and and there's plenty of them it, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it, for sure yeah oddly enough as many as there are wins yeah there are losses. Weird. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that'd be interesting <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah so that that's but uh, hopefully we'll get to do another season of down and distance yeah. well it's great we we listen to it on the way down like i said and the way you tell the story just the way it's all put together is, is first class. And well, Nina uh, Ernest yeah. was the producer. She did a terrific job. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it's fantastic. So I can't nice. wait to listen to more of them. Haven't gotten through all of them. Subscribe, right. rate, and review, yeah, as we yeah. say in the yes. podcast yes. business. Yeah. We're learning that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what makes – you're here for a Mac game. What makes the Mac action so special to college football? I think it's the uh, – just the nature of the league, the fact that it has such great tradition, that it is so uh, closely knit geographically, at least the the original schools, and that they there is such a long, uh, passionate, uh, competitive vein that runs through the runs through the Mac and has for many years and uh, I, and I think also the fact that despite the size of the schools and, and the size of the league it has had an outsized impact on the sport not only in the coaches and players it's produced but also think you know uh, on the way the sport is played if you look at somebody like Sid Gilman who was one of the first people to develop you know, the vertical passing game, you know, where did he start? You know, so uh, it's, there's just, there's a lot about the history of the sport. If you are a history nerd, uh, as I am, that you gravitate toward the Mac. What's, what's been the biggest change in your mind now that we're here looking back at 150 years of college football? What's, what's been the biggest change that you've seen? Well, in, in my career, which I started covering it in 1987, I think, I would say there's been two things. One is obviously the development and the change and the impact of the postseason and transitioning from the time when the guys in the bowl blazers controlled the postseason Mm -hmm. to how the commissioners wrested control away from them and and gave us the BCS and then gave us the playoff. And and the enormous impact that that has had on on, – on the sport at so many levels and, and, and the other change is simply, and we're in the middle of it, you know, the, the giving players more benefits yeah. and we don't really know where that's, how that's going to be implemented or, or what it's going to mean. We just know it's a big change. What, uh, what's your one iconic 
college football memory? Just something, when I say that, something that sticks in your head of either covering it or as a fan. Uh, wow, wow, there's a yeah, lot, there's I'm a sure lot there. There's a loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the best game I ever saw as a fan was the 1985 Iron Bowl. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, uh, in Birmingham, there were four lead changes in the fourth quarter. It was Bo Jackson's last regular season game. Uh, and Auburn scored with 52 seconds left to play and didn't win to take the lead and then didn't win. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, then, you know, with no timeouts, drove far enough to kick a 52 yard field goal as the, as time ran out. And it was such an enormous, emotional wallop that 45 minutes after the game ended the Alabama stands were still full people were still that's incredible yeah so uh that's a good one yeah that's (laughs) a good one and and but there are a lot of them you know I can remember you know having grown up in Alabama yeah being crushed by Notre Dame beating Alabama in the 1973 Sugar Bowl New Year's Eve for the national championship that that ruined a, a New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so there, if you're a real fan, you have as many. You know, it's like I said a minute ago that y- you remember losses probably more than you remember wins. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I mean, we we talked at length about what ours were, and yeah. I keep bringing up just that. Being a Cleveland, growing up in Cleveland, we both grew up in Cleveland, <clears throat> but following Desmond Howard in high school, uh. and then him running down the field uh, in 1991 and, and striking that pose, it just always sticks with me. It yeah. just always sticks with me. Th- those little moments, and there's so many of them every year. You could go week by week of something that sticks in your head, but you know. Uh, those well, okay, you just made me think <laughs> of another one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was in the stands for the play. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, for the Stanford Cal kick. <laughs> and it was at Cal, and I, I went to Stanford, so I'm sitting in the Stanford section. We're high up in the end zone, uh, the end zone where they scored. Uh, and the longer the refs deliberated, the worse I knew this was going to come out for Stanford. <laughs> and my friends are all celebrating that we won, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching the little scrum of referees, <laughs> and I'm I, I was just saying to my – of sitting next to my best friend, I'm going, this isn't good, this isn't good, this isn't good. <laughs> and then the the white hat puts up his hands to signal touchdown, and it was almost like a stop motion. You could see the wave of delirium across the field of the Cal stands just sort of come down the stands toward the field oh, as man. they spilled onto the field. And it was just a – and this was 1982. You don't, you know, this is not the time when everything, the impact of anything that happens is nationally important right then because it's on your phone. And I remember thinking, I, I wonder if the rest of the country understands what happened here. Yeah. And I woke up Sunday morning in San Francisco and I flipped on NFL Today at 9 a.m. in San Francisco. And the first thing Brent Mutzberger talked about was, the play, and I went, okay, they get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many moments, I know. Yeah, you uh, you talked about Stanford a little bit. Can you give us uh, your top four uh, Stanford players, or, or your Mount Rushmore, I guess? Around yeah. My Mount Rushmore of Stanford players. Uh, okay, chronologically, I would say Ernie Nevers, who was the uh, 
All-American that led them to the Rose Bowl in 19, the 1924 season, the 25 Rose Bowl. Um, I suppose Jim Plunkett, Stanford's only Heisman winner, uh, who went on to a great career in the NFL and has been, even to this day, 50 years, 49 years after he won the Heisman, has been sort of a counselor and conciliere to Stanford quarterbacks mm -hmm. of the last generation because uh, he lives near campus. Uh, wow. I, I'm debating whether to include John Elway because John Elway wow. is – he is John Elway, but – and I guess you would put him up there, but Stanford was not all that successful when John right. was quarterback. No fault of John's. Uh, so I will include John and then Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll tell you the, uh, my favorite trivia question about John. Uh, find me another offense that had three Hall of Famers um, in that started on the offense plus a first round draft choice and went five five and one. Yeah, so that's crazy. John Elway, Darren Nelson, and Ken Marjoram are all in the College Football Hall of Fame. Brian Holloway was a first-round draft choice of the Patriots, a, a left tackle. And they went – it was either 6-5 and five or 5-5. Five, you make five it sound one. like the Cleveland Browns. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we deal with every week. So. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, it's just amazing. So, Heading in um, – have you been part of the uh, – selection process have you done gone to mock selection and i have Dallas? done a mock selection yes a couple of years ago what's what's your takeaway from that process of maybe a misconception of fans that what they think about that process it's thorough it is really thorough i mean you can argue with the results but you can't argue that they you know looked under every rock you know to, to figure it out um and i you know let me put it this way, because we're, we're never in the room when they actually discuss the data, but the data is thorough. And I think to a person, the, the committee seems to take the responsibility seriously and, and with, and solemnly, you know, I mean, they, they don't, you know, I don't think anybody just sort of flies in, yeah. you know, with a bag of chips and, and Hey, let's hey, watch good football. Morning, yeah. 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 I, I think and I think it has gotten passionate. I think the debates have been passionate at times. Uh, you know, it's a great credit to Bill Hancock and, and the sort of the tone that has been set of what happens in that room. And it's uh, it they they take their charge seriously. So I, I think that would people always go, uh, you know, if it's not the results you want, they just sort of nah, you know, yeah. those guys they don't, you know, what do they know? But I think they're they're serious. Yeah, I had the I had the opportunity to do it last oh, you year. Did? Yeah, and what did you think? I thought it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, the, they cram, like you know, they crammed the two days worth or however many days worth into four hours. Yeah. Uh, but the data and what you can look at and how you can size up teams and those screens and just the comparing and how they uh, go through all those rounds of picking teams, I never would have thought that that goes into all of it. And I think you you said it great. It it's very thorough. You don't just go in there like Ohio State, Alabama. Yeah. It's not like that at all. And and everyone in that room takes it very seriously, I, I think, from, from what they were telling us. And I could see how that is. You, you're yeah. locked in that and those doors close and that's it. Well, and there's a lot at stake. I, I mean, not only – I mean, 
there's a lot of money at stake, but there's, there's a lot depends on them doing their job well. And, and it's hard to argue. I, I think it's fun that in the five years, there've been two number four seeds that have won and, yep. and, and a number one seed hasn't won yet. You know, I, I that's, you know, I, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think they should expand to eight? If you can put aside your Mac, you know, it would benefit I, the Mac to, to yeah. expand, but besides that. I'll, let, I'll let you answer first. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I took off the Mac, yeah. uh, I, I think, any t- look, anytime you get playoffs and you're such in this NFL mode of watching teams and you're, you're you know, do or die and, and everything every week, I think it, extending that a couple weeks would be great yeah. uh, from a fan perspective a money perspective i'm sure would be huge yeah uh, and uh, yeah if you go right back into the mac it'd open up opportunities for us absolutely that being said yeah. right now i think it's great as well uh yeah. expansion i i would never go anywhere over eight but you know no, you go to yeah. four you go to eight and then yeah. there's gonna be you know there's gonna be someone that yeah, wants to go like, even higher uh, yeah the minute the minute you get to eight the <laughs> clock will start on, yeah. on when they go to what 12 yeah i mean like like you said, I think having the opportunity for schools like USF to to get that opportunity it would be awesome and and great for fans. So I I think I agree with you. I think eight is probably the right number. Maybe six. I well, don't know. we'll probably start at six. Don't misunderstand me. I want it to stay at four. You know, my feeling is, I think it's great that winning your conference is not good enough. You know, yeah, th- yeah, that you got to be true. better than that. And uh, I think the tension that is created over the course of the entire season by there being only four it's turned up is is a really valuable commodity and and I'm afraid that if you you know and people said well there'll still be tension if you get to eight but I'm worried that if you get to eight and you get a to a you know number four Ohio State versus number six Michigan and or just say number, make it easier to, to to understand number three Ohio State and number four Michigan, and the loser is going to be in also. Then really, what you know, what are they playing for? And, right. and I know it's That's Ohio true. State Michigan, but That's you know, true. I would have loved to see you know Western Michigan for us a couple of years ago. Yes, but then you go and we went to the Cotton Bowl and Western Michigan lost. It was a great good game, but yeah. uh, you would have loved to see you know that that happens here. We've we've gone to a New Year's Six Bowl with NIU and with Western um, most recently uh, to see how those teams would stack up to, to be in a playoff and, and to have that opportunity to just, just see a Mac team in there. I see both sides of it. Yeah. I, I love the four. I could see eight and I could live with eight. And I think for the reasons I said that, you know, building that drama of the week and see if there's an upset and everything, but you want the best of the best at the end of the day. The best thing about the new year six to me is that, the group of five team that gets in there, and we saw it with NIU, and we saw it with Western. They play so hard. They 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 yeah. want so badly to prove themselves, and you don't always get that from the team they're playing. Yeah, and uh, and that that make that gives that game uh, to me a little extra oomph that it might not otherwise have. Well, I think even if you do expand, I mean, I think you get that type of oh, we get to play a next game. If if you know we win this game and we get a chance to ultimately go instead of just just being a one one and done scenario, like a, oh, like sure, a Western yeah. Michigan and stuff like that, you're playing yeah. for ultimately more yeah. than just than just a, a bowl victory. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where point. that goes. Right, we'll 
See, what, what do you think the rankings just came out? What, who are your top four most impressive teams that you've seen? Well, not the ranking teams, but yeah, who, who stands out for you? I had, uh, I think I had it. Ohio, they had Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State. Penn State. Penn State. I yeah. had uh, Clemson four. Okay. Not more just because I succumbed to it being Clemson, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. than, than what they've actually done, and, and that's a great thing that the committee does. You know, they they you know they they take a clean sheet of paper every week. Um, I've been really impressed with with Ohio State. Uh, although it's almost at the point now where I, I'd kind of like to see them play a close game to see how they respond. Yeah. You know, they, they haven't been pushed in that way. Uh, along those lines, I think LSU has been really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uncharacteristically so, just to see an LSU team move the ball the way they have. You know, we haven't seen that in a very long time. And it makes me very curious about Saturday afternoon. I mean, yeah. I'm going to Tuscaloosa from here. Uh, you know, because the Alabama defense has is very young and has had its moments of struggle, so uh, that's it's going to be a very interesting Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's r- when we started the rankings this week. Now it all uh, all these games, like you said, Alabama, LSU this week. Yeah. And there's a- every weekend from here mm-hmm. on. I think there's these these big games. You know. Well, on the other, but you know, on the other hand, I mean, you know, before last night. LSU Alabama was one versus two, and now it's only yeah. two versus three, so <laughs> it's really not that big. It take, took a dip, yep, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Ivan, uh, I think unless you have no. anything, nope. I, I we really appreciate the time talking some football with you. Clearly, a uh, I think we could go all day talking stories and and hearing uh, your knowledge and what you've gone. I don't think with some of those things you mentioned. No, know, even the more more recent no. ones. Eric wasn't even born yet. Yeah, I was. I know. Yeah, but <laughs> but I but never liked Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but like eighty seven. You was talking about eighty seven. You were I know. born. Yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. weren't around. Um, but there's so many stories in the past. There's so many going on this season, and there will be so many more. And we can't wait to hear so. the um, down and distance uh, another season. And we're gonna listen to the rest of this Hope season. So. Tell everyone. Uh, out there to, to go listen. It, it's very, very well done, and uh, Ivan does a great job with it. So, again, thank you very much for being with us. Jeremy, Eric, thanks. Yep. We'd now like to welcome in our next guest for the Call to Action podcast. This is uh, Kevin Weiberg, Executive Director of the College Football 150. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. And happy birthday, college football, right? Yeah, yeah this terrific. This has been a day we've been looking forward to, and uh, it's great that it's finally here. I started working on uh, the, the build-out of the celebration clear back in August of 2017, so it wow. seems like it's been a, well, a long journey to get to November 6th. Well, now that it's here, what are your what are your feelings? Are you, are you nervous? Are you excited? Yeah, what, I'm, what's I'm excited uh, for it. Um, you know, you... Uh, as you work on something like this, um, because the planning phase is really the longest portion of it, um, you know, you're, you're obviously anticipating the season rolling out. And we knew we had certain key points in the, in the season. We thought the start of the college football season would really be important. But the next big milestone was uh, this week, and especially the anniversary date. Um, kind of unlike the NFL that's celebrating its 100th this year, mm-hmm. Uh, we got a birthday. We've act- we got an actual yeah. date that is widely recognized as the first college football game between Princeton and Rutgers in 1869 on November 6th. So uh, this was a cool day to work for and to plan for. Yeah. Well, I I don't know about 
about you, Jeremy, but we're excited to just be here be and, and be a part of it. This is midweek maction is, is such yeah. a big part of what we do. And so to have it be associated with something like this is, is really awesome. Yeah. To, to, to be the only game in the nation tonight and we love our midweek football and, and for it to fall on the date clearly is, is fantastic. And to have Ohio and Miami play two of our most uh, historic teams, historic yeah. teams right. is, is uh, it's special. It's a special day. We have a lot of programming planned throughout the day and, and tonight, uh, tonight's game should be, um, you know, a fantastic what's celebration. Of what's football. been your favorite thing that you guys have done so far? Well, right. Well, there's been a lot of nice little touch points that have occurred. Um, I would have to say um, probably the thing that I was the least sure about when we were working on it, we knew we wanted to give the logo uh, for the anniversary high visibility because we thought that that visual image of 150 was really important to yeah. be able to cement in the minds of the public that this was a special year for college football and a significant milestone, 150 years. Yeah. So um, the development of the logo, and then as the season began, to actually see it in yeah. broad usage across college football um, was really great because it was a voluntary program. Um, really? We went through the NCAA system of getting approval to place the logo on the jersey, um, but it was uh, something that was left up to the discretion of every institution. So. We thought the anniversary could be a, a really great unifying piece for college football because, as you guys know, the sport is quite decentralized, really. I right. mean, there's um, conferences are very important. Um, uh, you know, the, the postseason is spread across a lot of bowl games, although we do have a playoff now right. at the top level. But um, I think that um, that ability to see the members of – college football actually showing some unity by wearing the patch and doing it in a broad way was uh, something that we felt really good about. We just spoke with Ivan Mazel and his Down and Distance podcast we talked about and, and that project and how he went through that. And then also the My Story vignettes on ESPN. Do you have a favorite story? Have you listened to all those? Have you listened I to some? I have not listened to all of them. I have seen some. I w I'm, I'm not sure there's one that jumps to mind for me as being um, – unique or different than enough. I mean, they're all very different. Yeah. Uh, the range of people they have talked to, the thought, some are funny, some are yeah. Um, touching. Yeah. Um, so it's really been good in that regard. Um, ESPN has been a terrific partner for this, and they were really an early adopter of yeah. uh, the anniversary celebration. Even before I came on board in August of 2017, they were already beginning to to plan for it. I think, in all honesty, they kind of woke up the commissioners <laughs> that uh, <laughs> 2019 was the anniversary season. And uh, that led to the formation of the organization that I've been uh, leading. And uh, um, their, their participation has been great. I, I know they view this as a bit of an examination of college football, but I think they've done it in a fair and appropriate way. And there's no way we could have matched the content that they've produced, the, the quality, the depth. And uh, Ivan is such a, uh, you know, a, a great writer, but also just a really bright mind in terms of the the history of uh, the sport, and uh, I think they've done a great job with it. Do you have a favorite um, college football story? I guess you would wish you wish well, you could tell on yeah, the. Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, when you work in a conference office, I, I worked across three of the big conferences <laughs> over my career. Um, you see so much, and you you sort of learn in a conference office setting. You know, not to, you're not you're not a, a rooter for a team right, or something right. like that. But I would have to say, uh, probably just in terms of a memory. Um, if you roll back to the 2005 season, the 2006 postseason, um, I was working as uh, the Big 12 commissioner, but also was 
At that time, the conference commissioners were rotating, leading the bowl championship series, which was pretty highly controversial at the time, you know, in terms of who made the one-two matchup and how it was put together. And the previous season, we'd had the three unbeatens with, uh, I believe it was USC, Oklahoma, and Auburn. And, of course, there were only two spots in the championship game, very controversial. And then if you rolled into that next year, um, you know, and the system took great criticism, by the way, for that outcome that year. Um, But we ended up with a USC-Texas Rose Bowl game. And uh, the quality of that game, the uh, intensity and excitement, the great setting of the Rose Bowl, for me as the Big 12 commissioner to have Texas win it, that was probably mm-hmm. one of my uh, my favorite moments. Uh, a little fun fact for you. I was an intern in the Big 12 while you were commissioner. Wow, okay. KU, wow. Rock Chalk. Very good. Yeah, wow. I was, a, I was a, in uh, as my first internship. I went to Bowling Green, uh, but then I needed an internship, and I went out to Kansas, uh, moved away. It was great. Just being part of the Big 12 and, and seeing everything, and especially at Kansas during basketball season right. is like – Nothing. I Great I try to put it into words for people, but I I don't think I can ever do that. Right. Uh, and I know you're at Kansas State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what are your feelings? Yeah, I went to school that. Kansas yeah. State. Um, I, I love the in-state rivalry. That's part yeah. of what makes college sports really terrific and great. And uh, um, so yeah, those are those are fun things. And um, you know, I still have a place in the state of Kansas, and I'm back there fairly frequently. So I loved I yeah. loved living out yeah. there. It's a, I mean, you're dodging a tornado every day, but <laughs> but outside of that, you know, it was a it was a nice place. To, Lawrence was great, and I, I'd been to Manhattan, Kansas for for some trips, and uh, yeah, you you also were at the Big Ten and you and the Pac-12. Right, Pac-12. I had a you know I've worked around college sports for forty years and um, had a chance to be in leadership roles in three conferences. So um, actually, after I worked on campus for a while, I got the opportunity to go to the Big Ten as Jim Delaney, the currently. Re- in his final couple months here mm-hmm. as Big Ten Commissioner before he retires. But I joined his first staff in 1989 and spent about a decade working for Jim and then got this opportunity in the Big 12 to be its commissioner and did that for about a decade and then went back to Big Ten to help with the launch of their television network and eventually ended up spending four years as the Deputy Commissioner of the Pac-12. Um, so, yeah, I had a chance to sort of see college sports across a broad spectrum of big conferences you talk about the big 10 you were there at the start how that's transformed now with the network and everything talk about how you know when you were brought in to then you mentioned you were part of the launch of the network well right and the mountain west had experimented with a conference tv network and they'd had some struggles with it and the big 10 uh followed with a partnership with fox to launch a network and it was still very much considered at that time to be uh um, speculative, somewhat unorthodox move, a conference owning a TV network in partnership with another uh, broadcast entity. And uh, it was a hard fight for the first year to gain distribution. Uh, you know, we had a lot of holes, especially in cable television across the Big Ten region. It's quite controversial. Um, there were even hearings in state legislatures about, about it. And uh, finally, um, you know, we were able to break through and gain great distribution. And my role really was working with the universities on kind of the build-out of the network and, and helping with the, the university's role in supporting the distribution campaign. And um, ultimately, I'm glad it was successful. It's been, I think, a terrific vehicle for the Big Ten. You've had so many stops, obviously, throughout your career. Do you have a, a favorite one, that, <laughs> no, that the times the, that you look that, back on? And I think the one that is the most interesting to me, I actually spent 13 months between uh, leaving Big Ten Network and uh, going out to work in the Pac-12 uh, as a 
uh, new venture that the NBA and the NCAA started to try to have an impact in youth basketball. And so we created an office in Indianapolis. The NBA and NCAA funded it. And uh, I literally started just as me, you know, trying to see if we could intervene in a way to bring some standards and try to maybe have some impact on the direction of pre-college basketball. Really not so much focused on the scholastic space, but the club space of, of basketball. And um, it was fascinating to do that. Um, I, I had obviously been around the sport for a long time, but the, uh, I think the most interesting part was you were sort of working with some of the club operators, trying to understand their issues and, and how the sport might be able to improve. But uh, you, you would go, like I can remember one day I was out in Harlem interacting with uh, youth basketball people, and that evening, you know, having an opportunity to speak to an NC NBA uh, uh, president's meeting. So, wow. um, you know, just a great contrast in terms of the things you were working on and the types of things that you were doing. And that organization ultimately got folded into USA Basketball, and uh, that's where it resides currently. Wow. Big, we're big hoops guys. Yeah, we so are. <laughs> yeah, this guy can talk Kansas hoops all day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a loss, uh, a loss in that first game, but hey, it's it's all good. Yeah. Yep. What uh, as as we close here, we have a symposium today. Uh, we obviously have the game. We have a coin toss. We we possibly have a coach breaking. Right. The Mac. Uh, it, it's all the stars are aligning. Right. <laughs> um, just looking kind of from a from a broad perspective. I know you spend all these stops at bigger conferences but what do you just think the mac means to college football yeah i think um there's college football is so big and diverse fans lose sight of it in many respects i think we have across all divisions including community colleges over 800 uh, programs participating in college football Um, division one football um, is broader than many people think too and and i think the mac has played a significant historic role in in terms of uh, the players, the some great coaches over the years, Frank Solich, who you re- referred to, I was Frank was with Nebraska when I was in the Big Twelve, did a terrific job. Happy to see the success he's had at Ohio. Um, I've always thought of the conference as being very balanced competitively, um, but also being sort of student centered, you know, and uh, um, the, the opportunities it provides to a lot of young kids are really terrific i i uh, my son finished playing high school football in chicago and i know there's a lot of chicago kids that had opportunities in the mac that were really terrific that maybe maybe didn't have big 10 opportunities but had them across uh, mac institutions and a lot of those guys were really good players and and we always talk in our office now you see some of these the biggest names in the nfl come from our conference and uh yeah, I think I think maybe it adds a little chip on your shoulder when your conference you, you're not being recruited by the Big Ten or Big Twelve or whoever it may be, and and you know the Mac gets you, and you're able to make your mark and and work hard, and who knows? And I think we've had some great examples in our conference, like a Khalil Mack, who was a two-star right. recruit. No one really gave him a shot, and now look, right? Know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we did a thing Monday night at the NFL game uh, between the Cowboys and Giants, and the NFL was great to recognize college football's anniversary. But they also had the players wear a helmet decal uh, from their collegiate institution. Oh, you know what I saw? I saw right, Cooper, right, Cooper yeah. Rush had a yeah. um, Central oh. Michigan oh, sticker right. on. Yeah, that's I did right. see that. I just so, didn't watch uh, they the game. They weren't very visible unless you were watching yeah, the ESPN yeah, I think, telecast. I think they, were they small, went like on the back of the bench, and it was sitting on uh, right. his cool. thing. Uh, so, yeah, it was really cool. So, but the thing I remember about that, helping them line that up across the 100-plus players that were on the rosters for the two teams – 
um, is how many kids were from um, you know the not part of the sort of autonomy five or power five or whatever you want to call it to make up those NFL rosters, even some even some Division two players yeah. and uh, Division three players. So uh, college football is big and broad, and we want to continue to support those kind of opportunities. Well, well, we're excited for the rest of the day and tonight's game. And once again, we want to thank you for being on with us. Thank you very much. All right, we are back. Hope you enjoyed those three interviews with Kevin Weiberg, Ivan Mazel, Herb Duramity. A lot to digest. A lot to digest. Those guys know a lot about college football, and we don't want to take anything away from that. Um, so we we definitely enjoyed sitting down with all three of them and just giving a, getting a chance to pick their brains about. Uh, I mean, each of those guys are experts. I would say in in what they do, and and they they definitely are experts. Uh, and and to hear a coach, a uh, to to hear a coach, to hear someone in the media, and then to hear a former commissioner. You you get three different uh, examples of and and um, instances on how football what what football means to each of those people. It was a good vantage point, different vantage point from three different people. Yeah, for sure. and we talked about that, like being able to do that on this podcast. Like we have so many different outlets to talk to different people and and see different sides of things. So it was yeah, super cool to hear from them. Yeah, and I want to once again thank Kevin Weiberg. Uh, Herb Duramity and Ivan Mazel for for sitting down with us last week and ho- really hope you enjoy those interviews. Uh, hopefully we got a, l- a little something up our sleeve for the rest of the week here. Yeah, hopefully we'll have uh, have some champion some champions on the show for yeah. you guys. So M- might you just have to tune in next show again. iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, rate us, yep. follow, spread the word. We want to get the word of Maction, the good word of Maction out there. So until then. Get some action. Get some action.